This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Kiss What will be, will be. Welcome back to You Should Watch, a limited series recap podcast. I'm Joe Lipsit, and I'm joined as always by Sheree Bohannon. Hey, Joe. Hey. Hello, Sheree. <laughs> so we are talking about from season two, episode five, Lullaby. And as we both just kind of lobbed grenades at each other before we hit record, we have no idea what the other one thinks of this particular entry. It's definitely one of the stranger episodes for so many things to not happen that we normally get in other episodes, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually spent the... I, I enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. I think it does some good character work. It's very light on action. I don't think anybody... Like, nobody dies. There's no sort of big moments except for maybe the Tabitha stuff with the kids in the woods. Yeah. But and apart the bus. from the, and the bus yeah Yeah. but it's a very kind of low-key episode in that regard to the point where i was watching it thinking to myself i'm enjoying this but also i'm worried that the show isn't doing enough exciting things that it could potentially lose its audience that's my fear especially because this is episode five and i'm Mm -hmm. imagining this will be at least 10 episodes we don't know the time of this recording um and so, like, this should be, like, where the mid-season finale would be if this was traditional structure. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the place for a cliffhanger or something spicy to, like, really, like, bring us back. And, again, like, we love these characters and we know these characters. And so we're getting some of our moments and some of our questions um, mm-hmm. not answered, but also no. <laughs> <laughs> never answers. <laughs> Um, and so it it's not bad and it does give a lot of them time to actually be like, we can also act in case you've forgotten. Right. But it was more of a drama. It is more of a drama. Like if anything, this is the hour where we are going to look at the ramifications of allowing Sarah back into this environment. So it is a very heavy Sarah episode where we are dealing with how does Kenny feel? How does Tian Chen feel? How do the Matthews feel? And everybody has big feelings. And I'm curious because listening back to previous episodes as I was editing them, you are clearly not fond of this character. So I'm wondering, did this episode make you feel empathy for her at all? I'm just, I'm, I'm not a fan. One of the things I liked about this episode is that Sarah has to deal with what she's done. Right. Like, she's being affronted with it everywhere she goes. Because people are like, this is the girl that killed her brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, people are rightfully mad. And I, it makes me wonder if this season is playing with the heavier theme of um, repercussions and consequences. Right. Yep. Because she really does walk through this town after Boy says, you need to stay here. You know that, right? Like, mm-hmm. she can just get away with this. And she seems like she's confused that people don't want her there, even though she knows she needs to be gone. 
Yeah, um, I don't know if I entirely agree with that, because in some ways this feels like a religious penance kind of thing, right? Where she is bringing it upon herself because she knows that she has wronged so many people. Like, she keeps entering into these situations where she is going to have abuse hurled at her. So I don't know that she doesn't expect it. In some ways, I think she wants it to confirm the fact that I honestly think she's going to die by suicide. I just need her gone. I was hoping <laughs> I was hoping it would be the bus or whatever they were putting um people in last season. Mm-hmm. I was hoping it'd be that, but I don't really care anymore because again, like I get that we are all experiencing something and some of these voices told her to do what she did. Mm-hmm. But also that means she's dangerous. I doesn't know which voices to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I thought the most interesting thing, like, Kenny obviously has a very (laughs) physical reaction to her. So, you know, part of her storyline is that she's trying to track down an ornament. It's the only thing that she really wants to recover from Danny, her dead brother's possessions. And so she's going looking for it. I think that's part of the reason why she has to leave the church and expose herself. But yeah, Kenny just shatters that thing and the matthews want to rush into the church with fisticuffs and that kind of stuff i was most interested in ethan's reaction to her yes ethan was like i'm gonna confront my monster and i was Mm -hmm. like get it and i i thought that was very very cool because like that's definitely aside from kenny and tian the person that she's probably like done the most harm to because You almost killed a child and there's no therapist in town to even begin to process this. So he's mm-hmm. going to sit with that for however long he's going to live. And again, I I think that she I think that she's definitely playing in both worlds and where she feels bad and is saying she wants to be punished. Mm-hmm. But she's also almost like in this dream state still where she's just like, I'm going to keep doing what I need to do and what I want to do. Like going to this woman's diner to ask her for a box of your belongings when you killed her husband. Oh boy, yeah. I I really enjoyed that scene as well. I actually really enjoyed everyone confronting Sarah. It felt kind of cathartic to me. It was like it was like when you live with a bunch of roommates and you always have to have that intervention with one of them because they're not right. doing the right things, and you're just like, yeah, get her, get her. Um, <laughs> and, so, and to have it end with Kenny like really finally being angry because again we're now fifteen episodes deep and Kenny's been playing the nicest, sweetest, most put upon man on earth, <laughs> right? If they're on earth, which I I don't know, I know nothing. Um, <laughs> And so for him to finally just sort of snap and be like, fuck your figurine. I'll talk to my mom. Are you, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I also noticed, even though he was in his street clothes, that he kept the gun. When he threw the badge at Boyd, he kept the gun. And it's he on did. him. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's something that we'll have to keep an eye on because, of course, when Randall wanted to keep his gun, it was a big to-do, right? No, mm-hmm. residents are not allowed to have this. So... I guess this is Boyd either making an exception for Kenny or saying, I don't accept your resignation. I still consider you my deputy. Yeah, because they're going to have to figure it out in these next episodes because mm-hmm. I Boyd needs to be in a place where he gets both his real son and his surrogate son to like him. Right. Otherwise, we cannot move forward. <laughs> or we're gonna drag it out and i think it's a little bit less interesting i think this is a show that does well with 
not wrapping things up, but packaging things in mini couple episode arcs mm -hmm. and then putting them back on the shelf so we can focus on somebody else. Like we don't we don't get uh, Fatima or Ellis in this episode. And it's like, OK, you know, wait until next week. We'll probably see them again. I always miss Ellis because he's handsome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nope. No lies detected. Right. But I also respect that if you don't have anything for this character to do, don't just have them on screen because that's one of my pet peeves for a lot of shows that don't mm -hmm. know when to kill their characters. Like, for instance, Stranger Things has a, oh the largest cast now because nobody dies that should ever die. <laughs> well, and this show has a very large cast as well. So they literally cannot service all of them and have an episode that actually does it well. You know, I think we talked about episode three as a bit of a highlight in that regard because everybody got a quick moment to shine. But at the same time, point we weren't really moving most arcs forward too too much yeah which again like they are stuck somewhere in between time and space and place and so it makes sense that like they're not in a hurry always um mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it kind of helps me like get into the mindset that oh yeah this is a town where we have to board shit up um by 2 p.m and start drinking or we're not gonna make it through the night <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna get a little monotonous <laughs> This is true. This is true. So speaking of monotonous, what did we make of the Jade Victor scenes? Okay. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I... leading question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so confused because Victor makes it sound like he was in this town by himself for a while. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we're talking about his parents. Yeah, and so... I'm just confused. And also Victor's just confusing. And so I don't know. I don't know if Victor's just not delineating mm -hmm. the things in his mind in a way that makes them make sense. So they're jumbled. And so he's talking about his parents and being alone. And he doesn't understand when things shifted either. Or if he was the first person here. Right. I couldn't help but wonder if his parents died very early on. And as a result, that's why he's kind of stuck in this infantile, childlike response. And maybe that's the case. Like, maybe you and I are, are making too much of a big deal out of this, and it's not as complicated as we think. But it's just a little confusing. And when it feels like we get so little from him, like, all of his interactions are, you know, hey, let's talk about Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and have Jade play it on the violin. You know, it's a nice moment, but also... All of his interactions, I just always feel like, okay, well, could we be doing something else with this screen time? Exactly. I also want to know why nobody ever thought about all these cars he's parked over here in this part mm -hmm. of town we've never been to before. Right? <laughs> because back when they were hiding under anything and Boyd brought the talismans, nobody tried to hide in a car with a talisman to see what would happen. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess they must have at some point because they figured out that the RV that the the Matthews came in and then also this now bus that Randall is living in, they clearly figured out, okay, yes, we can also treat these as houses. I'm making scare quotes right now. <laughs> right? And so it feels like that would be the place to put some of these people in town if we have a couple extra talismans. Mm -hmm. Be because the, we're, we're out of houses. We don't have an apartment building. Um right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's one of the other things where I do wish we could get just a little bit more logistics. Like, how many talismans are there? Are there enough that, you know, how how does Randall justify having one for this bus that he is now retrofitting to turn into, what, the, the RV from... Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> Priscilla, Queen of the Desert or something? I I do not understand this character. And he only talked to monsters this episode. And so we didn't get to like learn a lot about him. Mm-hmm. But he, if nothing else, is making Jade look so much more better. <laughs> I have no notes for and Jade. And we like this episode. actor. It's just, what are we doing with him? He is definitely playing the guy we want to see eaten. And I don't know if they're going to change that because we have maybe five episodes left this season. And for these first five, I'm just like, he looks like dinner to me. And (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they kill him before the end of the season. But I could also see them giving him the Jade arc for this year where we think we hate him because he's super annoying. He's confrontational. He stands out. And yet... If he is put into danger, I think they will save him repeatedly because he introduces conflict into the proceedings. You always need the one person. Again, going back to like (laughs) the real world um, Mm. um, and housemates who don't need to be there. You need the one that's good TV. And we all love to hate him. So we've all banded together to like other characters more than we used to. Like even Victor, this episode, I was like, at least he's not Randall. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And then on the flip side, we get a little bit with Elgin, who, did you feel like he was making a kind of sexual romantic connection with Sarah? I have thoughts about Elgin, because he's trying to hit it off with all the ladies. And I'm just like, good sir, this town has a monster problem. Um, (laughs) We need to flirt later. (laughs) Also, Julie is right there, even though she's barely in this episode. He also tried to make little, like, flirty eyes at Fatima, who's getting engaged <laughs> to mm-hmm. the hottest man in town. And so I'm just like, um, good sir, keep it in your pants. Um, <laughs> but also, you know what else what? are you going to do? You're stuck in a town full of apparently eligible women, so why not make a move on all of them? From the Bachelor season. Oh, I- Jesus God. <laughs> <laughs> wondering how you felt being vindicated and calling out that Mariella probably has a drug problem right I didn't want it to happen but as soon as we said liquid morphine you could see where this was going (laughs) cuts to her injecting well not even injecting she was just like using the syringe to put it right in her mouth (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I don't know that that's how that works by the way I don't think that's how that works but I also respect her being like if I have marks in my arm Christy Mm -hmm. might ask questions Right. It's disappointing because they are super cutesy. You know, she's been carrying around the t-shirt in the same way that Kirstie's been carrying around the rock, apparently. And their moments, I think, are actually really nice. It's almost a, a bit of levity in some of the heavier parts of the show. So part of me isn't surprised that we're complicating this with a drug addiction. But yeah, as I said last week, this is never my favorite storyline. Never. And it makes me so sad because I was finally getting used to the idea that like, as much as I want Kitty to have one win, um, it won't not be Christy because they are a cute Mm-mm. couple. Like she yeah. cut her hair. They had a cute little day before they found out Sarah was alive and everything hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidebar, and- that haircut was atrocious though. Those bangs do not look good. No, it was definitely like a love haircut. It's like, you did this to me, but <laughs> I also love together. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much oh my god right it's like luckily no one but the people in this town will see me and so Mm -hmm. it's fine (laughs) (laughs) um okay so we haven't talked about boyd who you love not a ton going on here he's very much trying to protect sarah but we also get another moment with the worms 
I think, again, this episode was about the repercussions of people's actions because we don't get a lot of Boyd, but we see how him bringing Sarah back uh, has impacted the town and the way Mm -hmm. they probably trust him because he's the law. He's the father figure. And if your father figure brings back the woman who killed people, what do you do? (laughs) And so my favorite Boyd moment this time around was when Donna was just like, look, yes. You did this. You're trying to make up for the wife you had to put down. Mm-hmm. And we don't have time for this. Get your shit together. Which is what she says to him every episode. Right. And I love them. I'm never tired of it. I'm just like, yes, tell him again. Tell him again, Donna. Like- oh, my God. Donna continues to be the best. We're going to say it every fucking week, folks, because Donna is always the best. She is such a fucking truth teller. She's the season MVP um, two seasons in a row. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Everything she's doing, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> In the Big Brother version of this world, she is, uh, what is it, the head of the household every <laughs> single episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I would want to be under Donna's roof, but I just do not want to do Colony House because there's too many variables and people with windows and door access. Mm-hmm. And now that these episodes are finally starting to come out and we're engaging with uh, fellow fans online, I love that people keep trying to be like, Sheree, Joe, come to Colony House. <laughs> Bitch, no, we have said no to that. <laughs> we've seen we've seen the truth. We've seen the way and it's not a group project. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to sit in our house getting drunk by 2 p.m. with doors locked, talismans up, extra talisman just in case one falls. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna be fine. We're gonna write it out. <laughs> to be honest, the way that Randall retrofits this bus, I would consider living in there as well. The only issue is that after that first night, you better believe I'd be putting up curtains or blinds toot sweet. My other thing is it cannot smell great because between right. Elgin vomiting when they first rolled in and then mm. the two old people being cracked open like lobsters. Right. The bus has seen some things. Yeah, but you like, need to power wash that bitch. Right? But I think she has a bathroom because it was like a long distance bus. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She could work. Like take it some snacks work. over there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I actually just realized we don't see the bus driver in this episode at all. Which, again, like she's one of the people I, I kind of did miss because I want to know where she's going character wise. Mm-hmm. Because her and Jade had that scene... I think it was the last episode. It might have been yes. the episode before. Okay, yep. awesome. Um, and I'm like, okay, I see why you're both a little angry, a little upset. Plus, you're not either Randall. So I can maybe work, <laughs> make this work with the both of you. Sure. And <laughs> so I just, I want her back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I've got two other things to talk about. Uh, sort of circling back to Boyd, we do actually have Jim telling him about what happened with the radio because, of course, Boyd was not there for that incident. And this doesn't really come to much except for the fact that they, they're they coming back to this idea of community. They have to work together. They can't be at odds. And I think this makes sense for the show, but it's also a little bit annoying because... To me, these are the two characters that think they're going to rescue people and get people out of this town, and they have encountered nothing but failure. Right? Right? Like, it's it's starting to give me vibes of The Stand and a little less Salem's Lot. 
mm. to go back to the Stephen King pile. Sure. Be- yeah. Because we have our main characters in the stand who they think they are doing the right things, but the things are not mattering. Right. And so at the <laughs> end, at the end, they have to make the ultimate sacrifice, like which happens in a lot of Stephen King works. Now that we're out mm-hmm. here on this limb, I'm thinking of it specifically. Right. They have to make the ultimate sacrifice <laughs> to save the greater good. Um, and I wonder if that's what we're doing is assembling our Avengers to be like Boyd, Jim, Jade, mm-hmm. maybe Tabitha. Maybe Donna, it's it's all on you. You need to communicate, but also it's not enough. And you gotta you gotta just like let it go. What's fascinating that you say that, because I could definitely see this show angling or or making its way towards a character realizing they need to make an ultimate sacrifice in order to save the rest of the people in this town. Same. And I I do not want it to be Boyd, but it also will be Boyd. He, he's got the worms. <laughs> it's not looking good. He's got the worms though. <laughs> it'll it'll be Jim and then it'll be, no, Jim, you've got a family. You need to stay with them. We're almost there. And then Boyd's gonna step up and save the day. Which makes me sad because again, by then he should have both of his his real son and his surrogate son talking to him. Mm-hmm. And so of course I have to like end it because he's finally gotten what we've waited for <laughs> all along. I mean, this also presumes that the show will not be canceled at the end of this season. So I, again, I wish it was on a different app. And I know that's uncouth to say, mm-hmm. but I just think that because MGM is not something that most people already subscribe to, I, I'm always worried about it because it's a great show, but like, it's hard to like get it a consistent fan base. Like, yeah, so many people found out about it when we started <laughs> this podcast. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. that's not a good sign. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are powerful figures, but ooh, we we should not be the tastemakers that are telling people about things that they had never heard of for a show that's already in its second season. <laughs> exactly. And again, I think about how late I came to it because I'm a horror TV girl, as we know. And sure. I, I found out about it in November and watched it in December. And... I would have definitely like lived to have that earlier in the year because mm-hmm. I feel like the front half of the year is usually a little bit lighter for horror TV. Not this year specifically. I can hear people screaming at me. Right. This year was different. We had The Last of Us. We had Swarm. We had <laughs> we had so many bops, but we don't normally get those in the first half of the year. Cause this is true. Usually we wait until October, right? Yeah. And then it's like everything's scary up for the rest of the year. And I'm like, I, I can't watch it all. Please space it. Like, give me some <laughs> of it in the spring and the summer. And so... The fact that I had to find it during that window where it's already too many things and it's oversaturated on an app that was epics at the time. Mm-hmm. I was worried about it already and was happy when I finished it. I found it in a second season because I was like, if that ends there, I'm going to be so devastated. Right. <laughs> I'm tired of shows ending before I get answers. Oh, boy. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those shows where I haven't been able to find out if they have a plan, you know, a a natural ending point that they're working towards, you know, like a five season and a movie kind of deal, or if they're living year to year, which I I get the impression it's a little bit more of the latter. I I feel like that's always safest, especially because things get canceled for any reason now and Mm -hmm. nobody's making sense. And so you almost have to like, plan for what you want but also be like if it ends here what is this ending right yeah i mean we're (laughs) peek behind the curtain folks we're also recording this the week of the writers guild association going on strike so uh even if this show does get picked up for another year the likelihood of it being substantially delayed until 2024 sometime late in the year is likely 
Yeah, I don't think people understand how serious this is because mm-hmm. I remember how Pushing Daisies was canceled, which yep. my imaginary father, Brian Fuller, keeps getting canceled. And you know what? It's because society doesn't deserve his work. But <laughs> I deserve his work. <laughs> and so I was very upset about that. Oh, well, it's ironic that you're saying that because, yeah, they were just starting to build out their writer's room slash crank out scripts for this Crystal Lake TV show, which guess what? That shit is maybe not even coming next year now because... It, it it hurts me. It hurts me. It always... It hurts me for so many reasons because, again, like aspiring writers who want to be on tv staff writing gigs Mm -hmm. and so that's also bleak to see the stories coming out about how people had to like steal food while they worked at netflix to feed their families yeah and also it's also delaying anything that might have been anything like traction for my own career on top of like the shows that were going to get me through life Mm -hmm. just being like (laughs) we're on hold now because again camp crystal lake um is a prequel and i'm hoping there's gonna be lots of mrs Voorhees and questions and answers that i've been wanting my whole life right and now she might not be coming when i thought she was coming yeah no guaranteed not to be coming when you want her to be coming <laughs> also the title of our sex tape <laughs> all right i'm bringing us back for one final talking point i said it off the top Tabitha has this weird encounter with all of these dead kids, and they just keep saying, Ankui, Ankui. What the fuck is going on with this? I want to know what that means. And if we had subtitles, I would have probably, when my Midwestern ass put it into Google to be like, is it a different language that I just mm-hmm. am not in? <laughs> Because the thing that strikes me with these is that they look completely different, right? Like, as we said, not a very action-heavy episode, but we get a very clear look at these regular ghouls. You know, we've got the the mailman or the postman that Randall has to interact with on the bus, and they just look like sort of pale, regular folks. These kids look feral. They're missing hair. Their clothes are tattered. It feels like there's something completely different. Also, they're coming out in the middle of the day. So we know for sure that there's something unique about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to know. Well, why are they coming after Tabitha? That's the bizarre thing to me. And she also found out that she can summon them now. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is different than everybody else. Because everybody else who's tuned into these frequencies can't control it, as far as we know. We'll never get a right answer from Victor, so we we can't be sure. Mm -hmm. But... (laughs) But Tap is like, let me get the blocks out and do this. And so I don't know what she's specifically tapped into and if it's helpful or hurtful. Yeah, because we we do keep seeing these blocks whenever she interacts with them. But then we also see Ethan playing with them because he is seemingly also tuned in. So I'm wondering if there's either something special about the Matthews family or Tabitha and Ethan specifically. But yeah, I think this is low-key one of the more intriguing B mysteries of the show. I And I love this because, again, last season, Tabitha was the one to be like, where's electricity coming from? Mm -hmm. And I was worried now that we just gave up on that, we wouldn't know what to do with her, especially the way she was written these first two episodes back. Right. And so for them to be like, no, 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 we still have ideas for her. She still got things happening. It makes me very happy. Mm hmm. I mean, with that said, this is the halfway point, we presume, of season two. There's 10 episodes. And that means that we've got five episodes left. I have no idea where we're going. Like, I would have thought that we'd be starting to set up the back half of the season with this. And I just don't know. 
I kind of wonder because this midpoint wasn't it, 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 again, it's not a traditional mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. If the next episode is about to start off like a chain of events that are going to like be continued for a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. The Jim Boyd decision that they're going to start working together has a bit of promise, particularly if they do try to investigate the concept that they're being watched or there's overlords or something like that. At some point, someone will have to find out that Boyd is sicker than he's letting on. And I do think also we're either going to try to murder Sarah or she is going to wander out into the woods and and die. Either way, it's her time. (laughs) You are so (laughs) unforgiving of this character. (laughs) If her and Randall could catch it in the next episode, it'd be a better experience for me. Just saying. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Any other predictions? I I feel like we are overdue another colony house demise situation. Mm. Cause mm-hmm. when that happened last season and reminded people that this is these mistakes are real, real. Like right. trust nobody. We need something like that to happen again. And I don't know where it's gonna come from because I feel like Donna um is not the person who's gonna make the same mistake twice. And so we hmm. we don't see this lockdown, that's the new colony house, but we know it, the things have been upgraded and changed. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if we do away with Tilly in the next couple of episodes now that we know that she is already on the chopping block. But um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if we get more deaths in the future. It feels like the show is kind of holding back so that we can get to know more about these new people. But at some point, yeah, I mean, it's from people are going to die on the show. Oh, yeah. I also think that Christy is going to have to find out about Mariella um, taking these drugs. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to find out if she's an addict or if she has something she's not told Christy she has. Because maybe she also has a diagnosis. Ooh, I think it's just going to be addiction. And I Same. think it'll be <laughs> when we when we most need that liquid morphine. And then we go and the bottle's going to be nearly empty. <laughs> maybe that's how Tilly dies because Mariella's taking her drugs. Ooh, grim but yes very <laughs> very possible mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know i'm excited i especially because again it's gonna be the last half and we assume it's five but if it's less than that then they are really gonna have to put it to the pedal oh my god yeah imagine if there's only three episodes left and we're doing all the speculating and be like oh uh the next episode really hit that gas yeah i would cry i need at least 10 <laughs> i need at least 10 <laughs> My heart says 10 because we got 10 first season and it seemed like they just renewed the show for the same amount. That's what I'm hoping, if not more, because I'm good to go bigger. (laughs) No, not if it drags shit out longer. We we keep saying we want answers. (laughs) Like we could have five more of the normal shenanigans and then two of some answers and new questions. We shall see. We shall see. But until we get to episode six and see what's going on, Sheree, how do people get a hold of you? You can find me at Miss Sheree on Instagram and on Twitter. How do they find you, Joe? I can be reached at B Storm My Remote, and that's the letter B. And of course, if you want to get a hold of both of us, then you can use the handle at you should underscore watch and i will also give a shout out and plug to the anatomy of a screen pod squad network for hosting the show so sheree until next week uh 
guess retrofit your bus so that you've got a really premium seat on the roof it's giving big trimmers vibes and i oh mm -hmm. that too yeah i'm I'm excited to see what happens to that fool what (laughs) that dumb dumb hottie idiot yep listen may they all be hot and dumb (laughs) (laughs) also the title of your sex tape Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.